Psalm 1, verses 1 and 2 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Father, thank you for this day, for the opportunity to come here together, your children, as one, magnifying you and glorifying you, dear God, giving you center place in your church, Lord Jesus. Have your way, Holy Spirit. Help us to not leave here the same as we came, but to be closer to you and to have grown in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Jeremiah, in the 10th chapter, 23rd verse says, I know, O Lord, that the way of man is not in himself. That it is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. The people of the world are crying out for the wisdom of the world. But true wisdom can only come from our Lord. Turn to John chapter 8 if you would. I'm just going to read a little bit from that chapter today, I think. Gospel of John, chapter 8. I'm going to skip down to the 12th verse and start there. This is where Jesus had just, uh, just really blew everybody's mind. They had drugged this woman out in front of him who was caught in the act of adultery. They failed to bring along the man who was involved, of course. They wanted him to stone her. (laughs) He said, whoever of you is without sin, let let him cast the first stone. And they all started to dwindle off from the oldest to the youngest. There was no one left but the woman and Jesus. And he said, where are your accusers? And she said, they're gone. And he said, neither do I accuse you. This is grace and mercy. And it empowers. It empowers us to do the next thing that he asked. Neither do I condemn you. Now, go and sin no more. You see, first he let her experience his love and forgiveness and grace, and that empowered her. I can almost guarantee there's no mention of her again in Scripture, but I don't need it. I believe that word from the Lord was all it took for her. Starting at the 12th verse, again, Jesus spoke to them. This is all the religious leaders. Now, these are the ones he did have a problem with (laughs) I am the light of the world whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life so the Pharisees said to him you're bearing witness about yourself your testimony is not true Jesus answered even if I do bear witness about myself my testimony is true (laughs) for I know where I came from and where I'm going But you do not know where I come from or where I'm going. You judge according to the flesh. 
I judge no one. Yet, even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I am the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself. And the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple. But no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them again, I'm going away, and you will seek me, and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself, since he says, where I'm going, you can't come? He said to them, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he you will die in your sins. So they said to him, Who are you? <laughs> Jesus said to them, Just what I've been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world that I, what I have heard from him. They do not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. They didn't understand. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing of my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do that, the things that are pleasing to Him. As He was saying these things, many believed on Him. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham, and have been enslaved to haven't been enslaved to anyone. They have been enslaved to everyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave. Slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet the, you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You're doing the works of your father. They said to him, We were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and you will, 
and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Then they started accusing him of having a demon. Turn the tables, you see. No, I could just read on and on. The attitudes and the actions of these religious leaders that Jesus was coming against here, it clearly identified them as followers of Satan. Even though they were the religious leaders of society. They may not have been conscious of it. But their hatred for the truth. Their lies and their murderous intentions toward him indicated how much control the devil had over them. They were his tools. In carrying out his plans. Satan's. They spoke the very same language of lies. Satan still uses people today. To do his will. And to obstruct God's work. As true believers. True children of God. Those of us who love the grace and truth. Of Jesus Christ. We all have roles and parts to play. All created with different gifts and talents and abilities. We don't need more self-help. We need the Lord's help. (laughs) Spirit-filled women and men of God... That God has raised up and placed all around the world in the body. Christian leaders who encourage us to look to Jesus for the answers. And for the wisdom of God and not of man or of self. Psalm 1 verse 1 says. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. This means That there is counsel in human wisdom. But the man who does not walk according to the wisdom of the world is the man who is blessed. At the same time, if his delight is in Jesus and he meditates on Jesus day and night. It says the law of the Lord, but you can take that in the new covenant, the word of God. That person will be, it says in Psalm 1-3, he shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Now there's a nice promise. 
We have to decide to walk in the counsel of God and of godly teachers, godly friends, godly mentors and leaders, and not the counsel of the world. And then whatever we do will prosper. God has raised up men and women. They're established in the truths of the new covenant. And if they are allowed to speak into our lives, then we will keep our eyes on Jesus, you see. And in Him we find all the wisdom that pertains to life. Eternal life. Which begins now in this life if you know God. It is knowing God that is the meaning of eternal life. According to John 17.3. The Bible tells us that in, in Him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Colossians chapter 2. Provided for our success. So we just need to keep looking to Jesus. Draw on His divine wisdom, His faith, His power, and see the difference it will make in our lives. It will be substantial, I promise you. Paul said, again, in Galatians 2.20 from last week, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ who liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me. The faith of Jesus. Not putting human faith in Jesus, that's good, that's a first step. But now we have the faith of Jesus Christ inside of us. Amen. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You see colleges and universities all over our country and all over the world today whose main mission is if the child arrived there with any faith in God is to see that they don't leave with it. That's worldly wisdom. They're of the devil. Don't ever deceive yourself. Recently on Wednesday nights which have become very powerful here. We have uh, been studying the Sermon on the Mount, which begins Matthew chapter 5, the Beatitudes. And it says in Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled or satisfied. What a wonderful promise this is. When you read the Word, do you see things like that as a promise from God toward you? Something you can latch on to and lay claim to? Because that's what it is. You need to learn to read the Bible that way. And hold God accountable to His Word. He loves it when you do that. What a wonderful promise though. Because it doesn't exclude anyone. Except those who aren't seriously seeking the Lord. But if you want the Lord and, and what He can do badly enough, you will have it. Jeremiah said, God said, 
You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. But those who can live without more manifestation of God in their lives, they will. People tend to do that. Only turn to God when it's a desperate need. We always in desperate need of God. <laughs> if we could only get to the place where we acknowledge and see that, we would become better friends with God. You know, in that Sermon on the Mount, he also teaches about worry, though. He says, uh, let's see, starting here in the 25th verse, Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life. What you'll eat or drink or about your body, what you'll wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire. Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all those things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow, worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Got a vocabulary word for you today. Stressors. Stressors. S-T-R-E-S-S-O-R-S. I like vocabulary. <laughs> Spanish and English. I'm growing. But stressors is just a cool word. It just, it's just something that makes you worried or anxious is a stressor. And there's up other applications for it. But in the human terms, that's what it is. Something that is a source of stress. So these stressors, they will come in life, won't they? But you're not alone, child of God. You are sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. You girls too. Doesn't mean you're a boy. It just means there's no difference to Him. No division like you see all over the world today. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. That's what God sees when He looks at you. If you belong to Jesus, He sees Jesus. He either sees Adam or He sees Jesus. He either sees fallen, corrupted man or He sees pure deity and gold. 
There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And this righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ. To all who believe, there is no distinction. Romans 3.22 1 Corinthians 12.13 For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Galatians 3.14 He redeemed us so that the blessing promised to Abraham would come to the Gentiles in Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Capital S. Did I do that backwards? <laughs> the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus said it's good that I'm going away because now He'll come Amen. and be with all of you all the time. Now, because of the Holy Spirit in us, we have the mind of Christ in us. We have the faith of Christ in us. You know you're a water walker? (laughs) How many times have you stepped out of the boat to find out? How many people have you tried to raise from the dead? (laughs) Might have something to do with your statistics. You're all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Psalm 23 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. Trials will come. Our confidence is in the presence of God. No matter what we're going through, we will never be left alone. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. If he ever lied, everything you see would come undone. You may not be experiencing these things of God because you may not have put your trust in them. It has a lot to do with the extent to which they manifest in your life is what's going on right here between your ears. But he's true and faithful. One of the reasons for trials in our lives is to test the strength of our faith. <coughs> Second Chronicles 32 verse 31 speaking of King Hezekiah, it says God left him to test him that he might know all that was in his heart. Now, the way that reads, you might think that God was testing him so God could see what was in Hezekiah's heart. No. God already knew what was in his heart, just like he knows what's in your heart. He left Hezekiah so that Hezekiah could see what was in Hezekiah's heart. (laughs) God's omniscient. He knows exactly what's in your heart. He knows everything. And so it's for us to see... The strength or weakness of our faith then. That's one reason God allows trials. He didn't really leave him by the way. Or tempt him. Or trick him. The test was meant to strengthen him. Out of love you see. To develop character. And prepare him for the tasks ahead. Trials. Trials. Reveal cracks 
in our character. Y'all pray for me because I might title this one online today, God Sees Your Crack. Dear God, help. Romans 5.3 says, it, And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Okay? <laughs> Y'all pray for her. She's been doing this to me since we were kids. If she gets me tickled, I won't be able to stop. Just dance with me. <laughs> Just dance with me. Second Chronicles, the 28th chapter. I was looking at something, some obscure passage of Scripture last night. And God really magnified it to me. Talking about these cracks in our character. There was an obscure king named Ahaz who came sometime after David. Second Chronicles has a list of them and none of them quite lived up to David's standard for sure. Ahaz was only 20 years old when he became king. Second Chronicles, the 28th chapter, starting at the first verse. Ahaz was 20 years old when he began, began to reign. And he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. And he did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord as his father David had done. But he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel. He even made metal images for the Baals, and he made offerings in the valley of the son of Hinnom, and burned his sons as an offering, according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. And he sacrificed and made offerings on the high places, and on the hills, and under every green tree. Therefore... The Lord his God gave him into the hand of the king of Syria who defeated him and took captive a great number of his people and brought them to Damascus. He was also given into the hand of the king of Israel who struck him with great force. Character flaws can be revealed in us regarding anything that is part of us that is not of God. It could be something as simple as as not thinking it's uh, necessary to honor our commitments or to be on time, which does reveal several character flaws. Or it could be something much more serious. In, in King Ahaz's day, things had gotten way, way out of hand. He had the appearance of being godly and the king of God's people, but also was serving other gods, wasn't he? At the same time. God's not going to allow this. Imagine how terrible a religion would be that offers young children as sacrifices. Because King Ahaz's evil practices 
brought the wrath of God upon that nation. Allowed them to be conquered by their enemies. But truthfully, even today, this is still going on. Millions upon millions of children are being sacrificed to the gods of convenience and money and whim. In numbers that would astound even wicked King Ahaz. We're supposed to allow the children to come to Jesus. How can they come to him if we don't even allow them to come into the world? Proverbs 6, one of the things that lists that God hates is those who shed innocent blood. There was a time I was on the wrong side of this thing, you see. But now I know God, and I know His ways and His thoughts, and I understand it. These same false gods of convenience and finance and pleasure and whim are being worshipped through all sorts of rebellion to God in our culture and society today, rebelling against His beautiful covenant of marriage. And the defilement of our bodies with drugs and alcohol and fornication and those who would call those things which are evil good and those who would create dependency of God's children upon a government instead of upon the true and living God. And this will all be judged one day. The Greek word in Romans 5.3 for tribulation or trials. It says it worketh patience. Worketh. That word in that verse means something on the inside working itself to the outside. When we trust God, trials and tribulations cause patience to manifest. Which is one of the fruits of the Spirit in us. It's already in there, you see. But it's just like a muscle. You have to work it out for it to grow and prosper and be healthy and manifest in your life. That's why we can glory in our tribulations, though, you see, because we know it's more than just waiting for an answer to our problem. We are developing godly character. When... When they, you know, the big pipes that they used for these refineries and everything, they, after they manufacture those, they fill them with water and they put extreme pressure upon them before they put them into service, you see. Because the water pressure will reveal uh, cracks in the, in the pipe. But... The pressure that they are applying to this pipe isn't what creates that crack. It just reveals it. You see? Oftentimes, as God's children, we blame God. Or we blame the devil. Or more commonly, 
We blame other people for our anger, for our bitterness, for our temper flare-ups. But the presence of God in us wants to manifest through us. And this pressure from our situation isn't what's causing the flaw in our character. It simply reveals what's already in us, you see. We need to fix the crack. We just need to repent. We need to take it to God. We need to say, Lord, forgive me for this flaw in my character. Tell him that you know that it exists and that you want him to fix it because he's the fixer. I've often heard the analogy of the of the broken watch. You, you don't want to you don't want to take a watch apart. How many of you ever tried that? <laughs> Better to send it to the watchmaker. God is our manufacturer so we always need to run to him and not from him he's the one to help us tell him that we know our character the character of love and patience and joy and discipline and peace are in us and we want to ask him to help us to walk in it Because it's the character that he paid a high price to get to us. Jesus gave his life. God gave his only son. Bankrupted heaven temporarily to see to it that you would have everything that you need for this life and godliness. And it is in you. It is in you. He has made it so. And he loves you so that he wants you to be free. Free of everything that hinders. Free of sin so that you can worship Him and fellowship with Him and walk with Him. He wants you to be free of all sickness and disease and by Jesus' stripes you were healed. If you were healed, you remain healed. The gifts and calling of God are without repentance. If He did it for one, He'll do it for you and He is the same yesterday, today and forever. No respecter of persons. If you're in a trial, trust God. Don't just look to people. Look to God. Don't blame God. Because He He's the provider of life and, and good things. Every good and perfect gift comes from Him. This lying devil who's so active in this world is the author of lies and confusion and strife and sickness and disease and death of all kinds. Whether it be in your relationships or in your body or in your finances, God has provided for your well-being in all of these areas, emotionally, physically, spiritually. You have to put your trust in Him. You have to know that these things are true. And reject anything that says opposite. Rest. Rest. Rest in the Lord. Rest in Jesus' finished work. Rest in the the Sabbath rest that He has provided 
for you. He is that Sabbath rest. Rest. Father, thank you for this this word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the rest that you have provided. Thank you, Lord, that we cast our cares upon you. We're throwing off everything that hinders, every burden of worry and strife and division, pain, heartache, bitterness. We give it all to you, Lord God. Some of these things we've given to you before, we picked them back up. Sorry. Forgive us, Lord. We are the sheep of your pasture, not meant to carry packs on our back. We throw it all off, Lord. We give it to you. You with the broad shoulders. Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. Blessed Savior and kinsman, Redeemer, Emmanuel, God with us, Jehovah Rapha, God who heals, Jehovah Jireh, you will provide, Jehovah Nisi, you reign in victory, we love you Lord for loving us so much, providing so perfectly for us. bless you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.